Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. You guys would with me if you would uh, take a second, close your eyes and um, take a deep breath with me. Really appreciate it. Breath is um, something that we take for granted. It happens automatically. We, um, we wake up in the morning and we don't have to think about our diaphragm moving. It just happens. So as we breathe, we find life. It's the easiest thing to recognize whether someone is alive or whether they're not. The cross is not a pretty thing. It's interesting because we, we've turned it into a piece of jewelry. Um, we've turned it into wall decorations. Um, if you go into Hobby Lobby, there are about a million different styles and types, and you could pick your pick. Your pick. You could have a hundred of them and still have a hundred more. And those are all very pretty depictions of something that is horrifying. And um, I, um, I'm thankful that I grew up in a church that didn't um, pretty the cross for me, but shared with me the reality of it. And that is that after these mock trials that we've talked about, um, this instrument um, was put into play, but this was something very, very common in that time. And it was, um, it was so common, but it was so cruel that Roman citizens were not allowed to be crucified. It was something that the, Rome, the government of Rome said was too much for their own citizens. So only slaves, only immigrants, people who were seen as less than were able to, or were able, were given this punishment. And Jesus, after those mock trials and he's sentenced, before he even gets to the cross, He's taken into a public area. He's stripped naked. Not the, the pretty loincloth versions that we, we see a lot of times. And he is tied to a post. And some very skilled Roman centurions are given the, the job to humiliate him to prepare him for 
crucifixion, which in and of itself is probably um, one of the most horrible things that could have happened to us. He was beaten. Scripture says he was unrecognized. Swollen, probably his eyes swollen shut from that. He was whipped and scourged with an instrument that these centurions were skilled with, had practiced with, and was meant to not just humiliate him or to to expose him in front of everybody, but to literally tear him apart. And then after that, they strapped a crossbeam to him, probably tied him to it initially with his arms out, and then made him walk over a third of a mile after having been beaten, so much so that he couldn't make it but with his hands pulled out around him, if he fell, he fell without any protection. They led him to a tree or a post. We don't, we don't know for sure. But at that point, they would, for special cases, take nails and drive them into their hands. Now, doctors would tell you that your hand starts after your wrist. So most likely here. And right in that spot is where all of the nerves in your arm that bring to your fingers all of the, the sensation that you would touch and feel are. It's so excruciating pain. The same in your ankles. They connect him to this cross and raise him up, drop him into place. And then for hours upon hours, would hang. Now people think that that crucifixion happens and you, you die from shock or you, you would die from the blood loss. In his case, a crown even pressed upon his head where, where we all know that if you, if you get cut on your head, there's more blood loss than anything. But it's not really what happens on a cross. Because on a cross with your arms above like this, especially after having been beaten and with all your internal injuries that you may have, fluid begins to fill your lungs. And it becomes more and more difficult to breathe. And so you push up with everything you have to get whatever little bit of breath that you can get on the nails, on all the injuries, until you just can't do it anymore. The cross is not a pretty thing. The hard part about it all for us is that when we think about the cross, we, we think about the beauty of it so many times, and we, we build ornate versions of it. But that same breath that we took just a few moments ago 
in a garden at the beginning of the time, God used that same breath and breathed it into our nostrils and gave humanity life. Several months ago, Mark spoke and he said something that has profoundly touched my, my heart and my mind and that the, the, the failure that humanity experienced with the tree of knowledge and good and evil was the knowledge of how to hurt one another. And there is no better representation ever in history, in my opinion, than this, the knowledge of how to hurt one another. So it's no surprise that God would take the most torturous thing on the earth and turn it into redemption for each and every one of us. In the same way, a tree full of fruit and full of the knowledge of good and evil cost us a tree full of the life of God would redeem us. And the breath that came into us as humanity would leave Jesus that evening with the final words, it is finished. And at the cross, his death is the end of the sacrificial system. It's the end of the pain of living in sin. It's the end of bondage. And it is the beginning of new life. So tonight, um, I don't know if you've gotten a good picture of this. Some of you had your picture taken over the last couple of weeks. Um, it happened before I knew what was happening to me. And then um, yesterday as this came up into the church, I, um, I thought so much about what it would, what it would mean to, for each and every one of us to think about our faces on the mind of God. That all of humanity has been set at each other in the knowledge of how to hurt one another. And in the greatest pain that he could experience, Jesus took that knowledge and gave us the knowledge of how to love one another. But as Christians said, a lot of times we feel like Barabbas. We feel like there are things that separate us from God. The decisions that we've made, the things that we've, we've done, the people that we've hurt, the, the life that we've lived. But the reality is, is that each and every one of us, our faces throughout all time and history, were on the, on the mind of Jesus that night. And he's known them all from the beginning and said he was with God there in the beginning and his breath breathed into us to start it all. And so tonight, we have an opportunity um, for us to take that mindset, that heartbeat that God may be speaking to you, the suffering that he went through, the things that are there that separate us, and to nail them to the cross. I know I've, I've experienced this, this ritual in a lot of ways, and it's... Um, it's it can be very emotion-invoking. But the reality is, is that there are things in our lives, and when we take them on a piece of paper, 
we write them down. Take a nail and fold them. I'm just going to do mine now. When we face the reality of what Jesus has done for us, the things in our lives and our hearts that have held us away from him and realize that those things are what are in his heart and then use our own hands to nail them to a cross. We have the opportunity to experience our own lives being redeemed. So tonight we want to invite you to to look inside, to find those things that Jesus would have not want you to have, which is the reality. It was not his desire for us to know how to damage ourselves and to damage others. So what do you have to place on the cross and to leave here so that Jesus can redeem it? So we want to invite you to come to write your, your submission. I don't know the right word to put that. And then to nail it to the cross as we continue in worship tonight. Good evening, folks. Uh, the whole section here at the end is to remind you, remind everybody that there is... Uh, not just the horror that was the cross and is the death of Jesus, but it is to remind us that there is a hope. And so in the spirit of uh, enlightening us to the hope that is there, I wanted to uh, just say that I honestly, 99% of the time, I agree 100% with Mark Jordan. He's a great, he's a great guy. However, he should have known better than to let me go last. I'm very long-winded, and uh, so if you haven't eaten dinner yet, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But um, we are going to get from the horror that we have experienced over the last hour and, and be reminded that there is hope at the end. This is from uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse 44 through 49. <clears throat> it was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, when the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances 
and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. So the darkness that overcame the land was for three hours, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. And it would be fitting that something so horrific would happen in the dark. Not only would the crucifixion have been horrific, as Brent outlined for us, but the experienced loss would have been even more horrific. I've come to realize that the feeling we have when we lose someone is tied to the loss of the future events. It is tied to the lack of a possibility for the future. And this is evident in our eventual ability to reflect on the past times with joy. Psychologically speaking, our capacity to plan for the future, our capacity to mourn the loss of the future, is something that makes us distinctly human. So when Jesus died on the cross, all hope is lost. What hope do we have when the hope of the world is gone? This was the loss of a friend. It was the loss of a brother. It was the loss of family. And more than that, it was the loss of hope. Not, not for some hope, but all hope. It was the loss of hope for everyone. So we see three, three individual people and groups that are outlined in, in this passage. The centurion who sees all that has happened and he, he says, surely this man was innocent. The centurion outlines for us the outsider, the non-believer, the person who has set themselves up against Christ. And their response is of Faith. The centurion's response is of faith at all of these things. The crowds that were there that gathered just to see the spectacle, they, for us, they might represent people that are on the fence, that are wishy-washy. They're like, eh, maybe, like church was cool, but the screen wasn't bright enough. Well, now it is. But so, like, there's, it's for people that are kind of on the fence about whether or not they want to be all in or not. And their, their response is to beat their breasts. And this means for us, um, it's a sign of shame and it's a sign of repentance. So anytime in the scriptures that you see somebody beating their breast, it is a sign of repentance. It's a sign of turning from where they were to focus on this. So this is two groups of people now, the outsider and the person on the fence that the experience of the cross has led them to faith. It's led them towards faith. And the third group of people is the, his acquaintances who stood and watched at a distance. But those people, even though they were standing at a distance, um, they were the people who were all in on faith. They were the people who were completely bought in to who Jesus was. Was And so I would contend that for them, 
not only was the cross horrific, but the experienced loss that they had was far more significant. They had staked their entire lives on Jesus being the Messiah, the return, the king coming to set them free. And, you know, as I'm reading this and I'm thinking, this thought comes into my head and I'm like, I got to check this out. And so we see in John chapter 19 that Mary, his mother, was present at the crucifixion. She was there. And so I imagine in Luke, the way that it's portrayed, she would have been one of the people standing back watching all of these things. Luke, 49, Luke 23, 49 says that they stood at a distance watching these things. In my head, I was transplanted right back to the beginning of Jesus' time here on the earth. The Christmas story. After the birth of Jesus, the wise men came and they offered gifts to Jesus, who was the, as the newborn king. And it says there specifically that Mary, his mother, watched all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary was building up this hope for a future. She knew that her son was special. She knew that he had come to do something amazing. She knew that he was the Messiah. Now, my children are not the Messiah, but I have felt similar with my own children as I watch them make discoveries or I watch them develop their little personalities, even though I want to punch them sometimes. <laughs> and I, I am filled with wonder at what those three little boys might do in this world one day. I'm filled with hope for their future. And I can't help but to wonder what it is that Mary may have felt as she stood back with the crowd watching her son be crucified that day. You, you see, she knew that her immaculately conceived son was the hope of the world. And while he was on the cross, she watched. Maybe she was full of despair. Or maybe with a little hope that it wasn't over. As I mentioned earlier, part of our humanity is our ability to plan for or to mourn the loss of the future. And with the loss of a loved one, our future hopes with them are dashed. But with Jesus, we have the knowledge of how the story ends. Sunday is coming. Our future hope is not gone. Christ's death on the cross did not leave us without a hope for the future. It secured it for all eternity. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get 
service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.